Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19. To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Amen. Do our declaration. I have been redeemed to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that the fullness of God may dwell in me. Praise God. That's a purpose. That's a reason you've been redeemed. Praise God. We're going to get to heaven one of these days, and that's awesome and wonderful, but God saved you to give you the kingdom of God right now on this earth by his Holy Spirit, and we're, we're pressing into that. Praise God. A little dark up here because we had to take all the light. We're putting all new lighting in, and so there's no lights up here, so I'm, I'm, it's a little dark. But by next Sunday, we're going to have all new uh, lighting in the church. Praise God. Amen. Got all these bars put up. Damon and Mike Piper and, and Doug worked and, and got the mounts put up, got all the, the wiring put in, and uh, we'll be able to run it from the sound booth. The lights will be run from the sound booth, so it's, it's going to be a big uh, step up. So thank God for that. But I'm going to have to use my glasses today because it is very, it feel, feels dark up here. <laughs> Praise God. Turn with me again to the book of Ephesians chapter, chapter 3, verse 19. The verse that we've been, been uh, using uh, as our declaration, I want to start with that. Because there's some words in here that <clears throat> we need to pay attention to. When we talk about the fullness of the Spirit... We have to ask ourselves, like last, last time I preached, what, what is it that that means? What does it mean to be full of the Spirit of God? Where does he live? What part of our being does he dwell in? How does that happen? How does that work? And when we, a lot of times we just pass over it and we just have these statements that we make as Christians, you know, be filled with the Spirit. And that doesn't, uh, that doesn't give us much understanding because a lot of times we say, I'm filled with the Spirit, and we don't realize that we are in the process of filling. There is no this, I got it, and it's over with. It is a process. Matter of fact, the Bible says to be filled with the Spirit means to be continually filled, to ever be being filled. And we think that we've got to a certain place, and oh, I'm, I'm full of the Spirit. I'm walking in the Spirit. Next thing you know, the Holy Spirit brings you to a place where you realize that, no, I'm actually not full of the Spirit. And so in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 19, it says, To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, there's some words here that, that uh, give us insight, and one of the words is that, that you may be, that you may be. I want us to think about that today, that you may be, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be. Damon, can you give me that, that scripture in the Amplified Bible? To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be. How many want to be? Amen. The doing comes from the being. If we concentrate on being, then all the, the, the doing, the things that we're supposed to do or that we want to do will come with that. But this is the Amplified Bible says, to know that you may really come to know practically through experience for yourselves. <laughs> the love of Christ, it, it disappeared. <laughs> 
<laughs> the, love, the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. Now, we can say that, that we want to know the love of Christ, but you don't know the love of Christ until you've experienced the love of Christ. And once you begin to experience it, then you begin to come, become intimately uh, knowledgeable about what's happening. That you may be filled, look how, what it says in the Amplified, that you may be filled through all your being. All your being, every particle. Remember, I preached on the particles. We're made up of particles. And every particle of your being, you may be filled throughout all your being. Praise God. Without experience, that you may be filled throughout all your being unto all the fullness of God. That means may have the richest measure of the divine presence. Oh, praise God. The richest, let me say, I want to be wealthy in the presence of God. I want to have the richest measure of the presence of God. Amen. The richest measure of the divine presence and become a body. This statement here really, really got me. Become a body, wholly filled and flooded with God himself. Can you imagine that? I know we're small in number today, but you're going to have to get, you're going to have to make a lot of noise because I'm about to blast off right now. Praise God. I'm about to take off because this, I've been waiting for two weeks to preach this message and uh, that you may be filled that to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge without experience, without experience it for yourself. There's no way to understand it until you experience it, that you may be a body Holy filled, every part of your being filled with the richest measure of the presence of God. Now, how many feel like you got the richest measure of the presence of God right now? I do not. I feel like I got a lot more to go. I've experienced a lot of awesome things in my life, and, and I've lived about three lifetimes in, in experiences and with the presence of God and the things that God has done, but I have not yet seen all that I want to see God uh, manifest in this earth. I'm kind of like my, my brother who's, who's uh, way up in years, but he said, God needs to give me a new body because I'm not finished yet. I have not seen all of God. I haven't, there's things I've not seen God do yet on this earth, and I want to see that. The richest measure of the presence of God to be a body, holy, filled, and flooded holy, filled, and flooded. Praise God. What happens when something becomes flooded? You can't contain it. It spills out. It, it, it gets on everybody else. We, come, we, we need to be infectious as Christians. Amen. We, we need to be as infectious as this flu virus. I mean, you don't, even have to, you don't even have to get around it. I struggled with that this week, and it hit me. I have no idea where, 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 I, where I picked that up, just in the air. Oh, we need to be as infectious as that, as Christian people, that just in the air, just the presence of God around us would just manifest and people be, be touched with the presence of God. Just cause people to say, you know, I want more of God. I want something. I want what God has. You know, I want, I, I've seen some things that I want to... If, if people are touched, now I want you to stop and think with me today that Paul in this prayer has given us a doorway. 
We talk about being filled with the Spirit, and, and of course, I grew up in the Pentecostal church, so we were all, you know, people were always seeking to be filled with the Spirit of God. We, we really didn't understand what that meant. It, it meant a lot of, lot of struggle. That's what I saw, was a lot of struggle, people struggling to be filled. But what we didn't realize is we were being filled. We just needed to be able to open up and receive it. Well, how do you receive it if you don't understand it and don't know what it comes by? That, what's that qualify? That you may know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that. Now, that tells me that without the love of Christ, there's no way we can be filled with the Spirit. We have to understand the love of Christ. Did you know when you're in a, a relaxed state and you're fully accepting and filled with the love of God, it is not hard? There is no resistance. And that's what I want us to look at today. What is it that'll cause us to just be able to flow and be a body fully filled, wholly filled and flooded with the presence of God? There's only one thing, and, and Jesus sums it up all the way through his teaching. In John chapter 14, we, we see Jesus beginning to help us understand some things about his, his work on earth and the, and the entrance into the things of God. We've got to understand there's a door. There's, a, there's pathways. There's access. God has given us access, and we've got to grab hold. We've got to understand what the access is. Jesus, in, in John chapter 14, verses 15 through 18, said... If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now look, Jesus is declaring the, the day of baptism, the day when the presence of God is not going to just be with us and, and won't be just on us. You know, the prophets of old, they, the power of God would come on them and they would work mighty works. But in the New Testament, it's not just the power of God coming on us, it's the power of God in us. Totally different. It means that no longer are we just being moved by something. Now we are becoming something. Intimately intertwined. Amen. Intimately intertwined. You know, we talk about the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. That, you know, that's been debated, argued, and everything else for years about, you know, the Godhead. Is, is it three or one, or three and one, or one and three, or, you know, it, and people have argued that, debated that, split churches, uh, split families, hated each other over it, and, and, uh, and declaring to be filled with the Spirit. Well, you can't be filled with the Spirit and have animosity and hatred toward each other. It's not possible because Jesus clears it up for us. And then Paul, in his prayer, said, in order to be filled with the Spirit, you have to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. Amen. Praise God. Been debated, argued for years. Let me help you understand. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are intertwined, interconnected. 
You know, if, if I'd have thought about it, what just come through my mind, if I'd have thought about it, I'd, I'd have got an a, uh, Apple computer up here, laptop, an Apple iPad, and an Apple phone, because they all sync together. And when, when you do something on that Apple computer, then the Apple iPad and the Apple phone, it all syncs together, and it can all be, it can all be on the same thing. They're all, in, they're all working on the same thing. Three separate devices, but one flow. You getting what I'm talking about? Technology can actually be useful. Because they're synced up. You understand? Father, God, on the throne, Jesus, seated at the right hand of the Father. The Holy Spirit is in the earth as the the uh, guarantee of our inheritance, the representative of the presence of God, but you can't separate them. They are all together. They are in unity. They're synced in everything. Jesus, when he walked this earth, he said, I don't do anything that I don't see the Father doing. Amen. The, the laptop was in heaven, the iPad was on the earth, and it was synced together. Come on, somebody. They were, they, Jesus was simply relaying what was happening in heaven, what the Father was saying in heaven. So we, when, we, when we see that, we understand that there's unity, there's, there's love together. There is no degree of separation in God. None. There's no disagreement. There's no separation between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's no disunity. There are no power struggles. We have a hard time understanding that. There's no power struggles, okay? And the Bible says that they are three in one. And, and when we understand the Spirit of God filling us, then we, we got to go on to uh, uh, John chapter 14, verse 19. Now let me back up here and, and to verse 15. It says, if you love me, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. Several times Jesus says this. If you love me, keep my commandments. Again in verse 19, a little while longer, and the, the world the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live. You will live also. At that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you interconnected, intertwined, that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Do you, do you notice a, a repetitive word here? When he's talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit, when he's talking about the helper, he's talking about the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Verse 23, Jesus answered and said to him, well, Judas uh, said to him in verse 22, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Come on, somebody. We will come to him and make our home with him. Praise God. We and our. 
we and our. What is that? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's a powerful statement. That's a powerful word because we, we are not segregated or separated from anything that God has. Everything God has is now opened us through the blood of Jesus and the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all three invested in us. Amen. How far do we live underneath what the privileges has been afforded to us? Amen. We, we don't experience the things of God like we, like we should experience them. But it's because we don't understand the pathway to get there. It's not through struggle. Struggle is not a work of the Spirit. Struggle is a work of the flesh. Amen. When we struggle with something... It's because we have resistance in us and we're trying, to, we're trying to open up, understand, and we're trying to lay down control. And so we're trying to, we're, we're trying to get ourselves to, to receive. But if you come by the way of the Spirit, by the teaching of the Word of God, if you come by the, by the power of the Holy Spirit, struggle gets taken out of the way. Jesus faced this in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was under such stress and such struggle that his sweat became as great drops of blood. And he even said, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. I don't want to do this. But then he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And at that moment, struggle was over with. There was no more struggle. Jesus didn't struggle with it after that moment. Amen. I mean, he got up and, and they said, we're, we're looking for Jesus. And Jesus identified himself and everybody fell down. He could have just turned around and walked off. But why didn't he? Because the struggle had been ended. He knew what his purpose was and he was there. He had to get everybody back up so they could take him captive. Come on, somebody. Amen. <laughs> They were knocked down by the power of God. I mean, slayed in the spirit, held down by the heavy glory of the Lord. And Jesus had to get them back up so they could continue with taking him to Pilate and, and the, to the, the elders and to the Pharisees and, and all the question and all that kind of stuff. And Jesus had no problem with that after he got to the point where the struggle was resolved. The reason is, is because Jesus loved the Father more than anything else. And so he received, he, he laid that down and he was able to move into that because love overcame struggle. When we can't receive from God, it's because there is struggle inside of us and we are struggling against the, the qualities and the core values of the Spirit. Our flesh values are struggling against the values of the Spirit. If we just open up and receive. You know, this, this week, that whatever it is, flu or whatever it is, uh, hit my body. And, you know, it was rough, you know, the, the migraine headache, the hurting all over, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And, and I, kept, I just kept working. And uh, Sister Betty, I think it's the second day, 
second or third day. I had some things I had to finish, and so I just, I just stayed after it until I got them finished. And just miserable. You know how it is. You're just, you're just absolutely miserable, achy, and you know all the symptoms that go along with that. And, and about the third day, I think it was, I got up, and I decided to stay home that day and, and try to catch up, try to rest. And Sister Betty just laid hands on me and prayed the prayer of faith for me that day, that morning, and the symptoms broke and just started going away. And I, it was like, wow, thank you, Lord. You know, normally it takes days for that to happen. But it just, by the third day, she laid hands on me, prayed the prayer of faith for me, and all those symptoms just, just broke. No fever, no headache, no aching, all of it just went away. Took me a little bit to get my strength back up, but all the symptoms just went away. I can talk today. I can preach today. I shouldn't be able to talk today. I should be really hoarse and all that kind of stuff, but I can do that because, because somehow we broke through the struggle and was able to come in, in line with the Holy Spirit and the values of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You, when you come in line with the values of the Holy Spirit, then everything starts being easy. You know, we struggle ministering to people, and the reason we struggle ministering to people is because we don't walk in the core values of the Holy Spirit. We walk in our flesh hoping Holy Spirit shows up. Because if we walk in the core values of the Holy Spirit, it is fun and exciting and it's awesome. But when we walk in the core values of our flesh, it is a struggle, it's intimidating, and, and it gives you anxiety. Why? Because it's not, we're not in what makes it flow. We're not, we're not walking in what, what is it that makes it flow? There are, the law of first mention. How many understand the law of first mention? When you read the ingredients on something, the law of first mention, it means that the first ingredients are the main ingredients. The first ingredients you read, it's the law of first mention. That means that's the most. I was looking at bottled water the other day, and it said um, that they had that at work. And I, I looked at it, and it said uh, minerals added for flavor. And I thought, water already has minerals in it, or it should. And so I, I quickly looked, and the first, the first ingredient was water. It's the law of first mention. The most of it was water. And then it said calcium chloride. The second thing that was added was calcium chloride. That's a poison. Enough of it will kill you. It'll stop your heart. And they've added that to the water that I'm drinking so it'll taste better somehow. But it's not good for you. Law of first mention. When you understand that and you go with that in the fruits of the Spirit, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, what is the law of first mention? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Those three things are the main ingredients of the, of the personality of God. Love, joy, and peace. The rest of it, the rest of the fruits of the Spirit only work if the first law of mention, if the first ones are in order, that's the only way the rest of them can work. You can't have faithfulness and goodness and kindness and long-suffering if you don't have love, joy, and peace. 
So the main ingredients of the personality of God is love, joy, and peace. If we can walk in love, joy, and peace, the rest of it becomes easy. But it's, it's receiving that. Now, when Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. I'm going to preach this. You know, my father-in-law told me one time we had a small crowd show up on a snow day, and, and I just went ahead and preached my whole message. And after, after I got through, he said, he said son, he said, uh, you know, any farmer knows that, that um, if all the cows don't show up, you don't feed the whole load of hay. I said, well, what's that got to do with it? <laughs> I'm going to feed it all to you today. Amen. I got, I got my tractor loaded with bales of hay, and I'm going to dump them all out there. <laughs> the, first law, the law of first mention. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And he said, if you keep my commandments, you love me. And then the Father will love you, and then we'll come to you, and we'll make our abode with you, and I'll send you another comforter, and the word another means of like, kind, and character. So he said, I'm sending you another comforter that's just like me, identical to me, has everything I have, and he's the spirit of truth. When the Holy Spirit comes, it'll, he'll be just like me, only he will be with you, but then he's going to be in you. Oh, what a powerful statement. But that word love, when I got to think about that, I thought, okay, you know, love God, keep his commandments. But I looked at that, and the word used here is, is agape. It's, it's talking about the love of God toward humanity and toward his son. How can we do that as human beings? If you realize how big an order that is, you realize that that is absolutely impossible for us. To actually love God in the term in which Jesus is using. That means we have to be born again. Anybody that says that I got saved because I love God is lying to you. You don't have the ability to love God until you are first born again. Now, you might be touched by the love of God, and that's what brings most people to repentance, is the fact that they get touched by the power of a loving God. They feel the presence of an almighty God, and it causes them to realize, hey, I need to, re I need to release my life to this God, this presence. And when we do that, then it says that we are born again, and we receive the ability to become sons and daughters of God. We have, we have been empowered to be the sons of God. That's how we're able to love God, is because God has to put his love inside of us so that we can give his love back to him. You're not giving your love to him. You're only loving God because he first loved you. He invested his love in you. He made a deposit of his love in you so that you could give back to him what he deposited in you. Oh, come on, somebody. Next time you're struggling with things, just stop and say, God, I need another deposit of your love. 
Amen. It's, it's not, God, I need more power. I need a deposit of your love because power comes from the love of God. That's what I'm trying to get us to understand here today. That the only way that the power of God flows in our life is when we get the law first mentioned right and we start seeking after love, joy, and peace in our lives. We start embracing that. And when that happens, we begin to be filled with the Spirit. We start being a body wholly filled with the presence of God. To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with the Spirit, with all the fullness. To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that. When Paul put the word that in there, he was saying, you have to have this in order to have this. This is what connects it. If you want to see God begin to work powerfully in your life, just start letting yourself walk in the love, joy, and peace of God, and it'll automatically start happening. It's not that difficult. The spiritual things aren't difficult when you are walking in the core values of Holy Spirit. But when you're walking in the core values of your flesh, trying to get God to move, it's going to be hard and difficult, probably isn't going to happen, because you are in the way. <laughs> Heard somebody say something like this, what, what if you are actually the splinter in your own eye that God's trying to get out? <laughs> <laughs> or the beam. <laughs> what if you are actually the beam in your own eye that God's trying to get out? Praise God. We, we, we stand in the way because we have a hard time releasing ourselves to what causes the presence of God to be ma manifest and powerful in our lives. Amen. If, if anyone loves me, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Well, we, we can't do that without the deposit of God. God has to change our lives and make that deposit in order for us to start keeping his commandments. Praise God. You know, we, we look at, at the book of Acts and talk about Peter. I was talking about Peter here a while back. He had the keys of the kingdom. And when he went down to Cornelius' house, Peter was filled with the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. To the point that he got up and unlocked the kingdom of heaven to people, and 3,000 people got saved. I mean, that, that's a pretty powerful outpouring of the Spirit, isn't it? And Peter was able to do that because all of a sudden the love of God filled him, and he wanted to present to them the salvation that had, God had made. Jesus was a Savior. He, he wasn't scolding them. He was helping them understand. He was bringing revelation to them that God has made a way out. Jesus has opened the door for you, and you can be saved. And Peter was full of the Spirit of God. But then we find out that before he went to Cornelius' house, that he wasn't quite full. Why? Because Jesus wanted him to go and share the gospel with Cornelius, but there was a blockage. The love of God couldn't flow through Peter to Cornelius' house. Why? Because of what he had been taught and segregation. You know, we don't have anything to do. You know, the woman at the well said, you Jews don't have anything to do with us Samaritans. And they, yet there Jesus sat talking to her. 
You know, and, and before long, all of a sudden, she began to realize that, hey, the Messiah the, 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 had, had just come and talked to her. I mean, Jesus, Jesus bypassed every legal separation. <laughs> when, you, when you look at it, you know, Jesus was the biggest lawbreaker that there was. He broke the old, he broke the old law all the time. Why? Because... He, he understood why it was given. It wasn't given to be a, a restrictive authoritarian rule over people's lives. It was giving, given to enhance people's lives. When you read the old law, it's all about keeping us alive, healthy, and relationally sound. That's what the old law was about. But it was turned into an authoritarian power to rule over people. Jesus didn't come to just be a rebel, and he wasn't being a rebel because he understood the law. He was, he was the lawgiver. I mean, he was there. I mean, it's like going to the author and saying, you know, you really messed up in your book. You didn't write it right. You know, this is what your book says. And, but Jesus was the author. He knew it. He had the power. And so when he came on the earth, he healed people on the Sabbath. Why? Because he knew that was not breaking the law. Because he knew what the law was written for. Amen. The law was written to not do anything on the Sabbath so that they could honor God and so that they would not wear themselves out. He gave them a day off. Matter of fact, they had to get all their food prepared beforehand because mama wasn't even supposed to cook supper on, on that day. Everybody got to rest. Come on, somebody. That wasn't God. That wasn't God trying to rule and make legalistic demands where the Pharisees could go around peeking at everybody trying to see if somebody was breaking the law. I'm going to go over here. I think I heard something over here. We're going to string them up. They're breaking. No, Jesus knew that it was, it was so that we could rest. It wasn't to be used as a commandment to control. Come to the point, Jesus, Jesus loved people so much that this, the one man that had the withered hand, you know, in the synagogue, and all the Pharisees quickly gathered around, you know, and was watching him. See if he can restrain himself from healing this man on the Sabbath day. And Jesus knew us talking. He said, is it lawful to heal this man on the Sabbath day? He knew what they're singing. And right there in front of him, he said, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched out his hand, and it became like the other. He was healed on the Sabbath day. Why? Because that's what the Sabbath day was for, was enjoying the presence of God. Jesus come to set things right. I mean, everything God's ever give us, we have messed it up. We turn it, we turn it into a thing of works and restriction instead of freedom and, and power. The power of the Holy Spirit, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, all of this is not about you meeting a certain standard or requirement and, and you know, you joining the club. You know, when I was growing up in the Pentecost churches, it was almost like you had to join the club. 
You had to, you had to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, spoke, speak in tongues, and then you were, you were in the club. You were Pentecostal. You were, you were and, and some of those people's meanest people I ever met in my life. How in the world could that be the fullness of the Spirit of God? It wasn't. It was, it was a manifestation of the Spirit followed by the, con- the control and domination of the flesh. Amen. Jesus said, you know, you know a tree by its fruit. Amen. Come on, somebody. <laughs> they ain't, nobody, they ain't nobody ever talked to me as rude and hateful uh, to me as a pastor than, than some of the spiritual people that I've had in my, my congregation. I mean, you, you get on the wrong side of them, man, that, all of a sudden the devil shows up. It's like, where did you come from? You know? Whoa. You give tongue interpretation just a little bit ago, you know, in church, and now whew, I've seen it happen. Amen. I, I've, I've, I've witnessed the whole thing. If I, didn't, if I didn't love God so much, it would have turned me against everything to have to do with it. But I love God so much that I want to know the truth. I want to know who he was. I want to know what he had. And I was able to push through all that garbage and all that flesh and, and get to the place where I realized that it's because we're not adopting the core values of the Holy Spirit. We want to be baptized and we want to have the works of the Holy Spirit, but we don't want to adopt his nature. And yet, the only way we can be full is to be walking in the nature of God. Love, joy, and peace is it. That's the doorway. You get in the nature of God. You know, I've talked about Todd Bentley, or not Todd Bentley, Todd White. And, and the guy confuses me. I watch him, and he confuses me because he's just so happy all the time. You know? He doesn't get stressed out with challenges. He gets excited, you know, strange looking guy, got these big old dreadlocks piled on top of his head. You know, I, I think, I think that just disarms people, you know, if, if I come walking up to people with my, my, you know, my look, first thing to do is take a step back. You know, they, 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 what do you want? Todd, Todd White comes walking up to him, these dreadlocks piled all over his hair, head and they're like. You know, they want to investigate, what is this? And he just walks up to them and starts telling them, hey, God loves you. And, and some of them will kind of, you know, back away. And, and they'll start backing away. And he'll say, hey, what, you know, uh, you got a pain in your right side, in your back, don't you? And they'll say, yeah. Yeah. Well, let me pray for that. Let me pray for that. I mean, no, no resistance. Why? Because he didn't learn how to resist the Holy Spirit. He just simply learned how to release himself to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Man, I could just fly away right now. I'm trying to be reserved, trying to be calm, but I just want to, I want to shout because the truth, this is a truth that we've got to get a hold of. If you want to walk in the fullness of the Spirit of God, you're going to have to start enjoying it. Come on, somebody. You're going, to have to start enjoy, you're going to have to start anticipating what God's going to do. When you pray for somebody, don't, don't, don't go into that thing saying, oh, God, help me. What if this don't happen? You go into it saying, woo, thank you, Jesus. I feel your presence. I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to enjoy watching you. I'm just going to have fun. 
Come on. And what's that do? It releases the presence of God, the fullness of God. Why? Because that's where he lives. Love, joy, and peace is where he lives. Praise God. I've got to where now when I pray for people, I end up laughing most of the time. I'm praying for them. And, and a lot of people kind of think that's weird. But the reason is because I'm just enjoying the fact that God's presence in there. And we get to do this. And, and we get to pray for this person. And, and God gets to manifest. And, and it's, it's exciting. It's awesome. And I want more of that. Come on, somebody. Talk about making somebody feel weird when they walk up and say, I'm, I, I, need, I need prayer, you know, I got this problem, and you just start laughing hilariously, you know? <laughs> just break down and start laughing, make them feel a little weird. Why? Because you're so excited about what God's fixing to do, and you're enjoying it. If we want to walk in the fullness of the presence of God, we got to quit stressing out about it, and we got to start enjoying it and letting his core values be our core values. Amen. Oh, I'm going to have to shut this down. Amen. My last page in my notebook. I got to get another notebook. I can't, I can't go on until I get another notebook. If we're going to walk in the presence of God, the number one thing is we're going to have to start saying, God, help me, help me walk in your love. Not the love that I have, but the love that you showed to me. God, the love that you have deposited in me, let it come out. Let it become dominant in my life. Amen. Let it become dominant in my life. And then we'll run into things where we realize, hey, I'm not totally free. I'm not totally able to walk in the, in the presence of God because we feel restricted. We can't minister to somebody because we feel restricted. You know, Jesus loved people so much that he would go sit down in a house and people would line up at the door, and they would run to all the villages around and start carrying people in. And Jesus would just sit there, sit there, not ask them a question, not ask if they qualify, but he would just simply sit there as they came through, and he would cast out unclean spirits. He would heal them. Miracles would take place, you know. And it was just so easy. Why? Because he had no struggle between him and the Father. He was doing what the Father had shown him to do. And so he was just simply doing it. When we understand that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit has made their home in us, and that they have asked us to partner with them in a distributorship of the kingdom of God, that's a little exciting. Amen. Praise God. What if somebody come to you, a billionaire, came to you and said, I want you, I'm going to put you as authority over everything I have, and I want you to start distributing it to people. What would you do? You have all authority. When you run into somebody who has a need, you take care of that need. You meet that need. And you have the power to do it. You've been given access to it. You have authority to do so. And you run into somebody who's got a $150,000 medical bill that they can't pay. And you, run in, and you, you say, oh, I, I can take care of that. I've been given authority 
and I can, I can pay that. And you write them a check and pay that bill off. Wouldn't that be fun? Well, Almighty God has put your name on his checking account and given you authority and said, hey, I want you to start distributing who I am to humanity. Pass it out. Give it away. Freely you have received, freely give. Give it away. Amen. When Jesus sent the disciples out, he said, now I want you to go out. I want you to heal the sick, cast out devils, raise the dead, you know, all, all kinds of stuff, heal the lame. What was he saying? I'm giving you, I'm putting your name on my checking account, Now I want you to go out and spend it. Wow. Spiritual fullness is not just a little tingle that runs down your back during worship. It is the flow that comes out of you when you're out in, in, in public and there's needs around you. And it just can't help but flow out of you. Oh, Father, I just thank you today. Thank you, God, for your presence. Thank you, God, for your anointing. And Father, thank you that you have given us access to everything you are and everything you have. And Lord, I just pray today, Lord God, that this just become infectious in the church, Lord God, that the joy... The love and joy and peace, Lord God, would just become infectious in the church, Father. Lord, where we would just celebrate, Lord God, when, when needs are, are brought forth, Lord, that instead of feeling pressure, that we would just celebrate the fact, Lord, that you have everything that is needed. And God, you can work through us to give it away. Father, I thank you for that. Thank you for it, Father. Lord, we just ask today that you would give us revelation. Give us revelation of the love of God. Thank you, Father. Not the performance-based love of man, but the unconditional love of God. Father, that we can just flow in who you are and what you are. And we just give it away in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Stand with me today. We're very small in number today, but come, come up around here. Come, come up front. Praise God. More than enough room here. Let's gather around today. You got to learn to love the people you're around all the time for the Holy Spirit amen to flow in us yeah I see people posting on Facebook all the time about how you know it's easier to easier to love dogs than people and all this kind of stuff and I'm thinking wow you know we don't understand the love of God because God loves people God loves people and there is a presence there's a something we can walk in that'll cause us to be able to love you can love somebody that you don't know. And you can love people that you do know. Matter of fact, loving people you do know sometimes is harder than loving people you don't know. Amen. Because you got history. 
Everybody say with me right now, God, God empower, me empower me to overcome my history, to overcome my history so, I so I can love. Father, we just ask today right now, as a congregation right now, Father God, we just ask that you would just bathe us in your love. Lord, fill us, fill us with your presence, fill us with your love, Father. Lord God, that we can, we can move past our history, past our, our uh, ideas, and just move into your powerful presence, Father God. Thank you, Father, just to move into your powerful presence. Lord, that we can be distributors, Lord God. Everybody hold your hands out. Just hold your hands out. Say, Lord, fill my hands with who you are so I can pass it out. I can give it away in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for love, joy, and peace. God, I just ask you to embrace and grip this church with this. Lord, I pray that Healing River Worship Center becomes so just, em, em, Lord, uh, just embraced by love, joy, and peace, Lord God, that we would just hilariously enjoy ministering, enjoy being together, enjoy giving your word away, enjoy, Lord God. Father, that there would just be such an enjoyment of your presence and enjoyment of, of fellowship. And Father, I thank you for that, Lord God. God, I thank you that we can remove animosity and, and uh, hindrances and, and attitudes. And Father, that we can just let it go and be able to freely give. Lord, we can't freely give as long as we're restrained and struggling with our flesh. But Lord, we want to be able to freely give. Thank you, Father. Baptize us, Lord. Baptize us in your glory. Baptize us in your spirit. Manifest yourself in us, Lord, as you said you would do. Manifest us, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Sister Val just worships today. I want you just to break out of your comfort zone and minister to somebody today. Just, just go to somebody and just pray for them. That the fullness of God, that they can become a body holy filled. Come on. Praise God. Grab somebody there and start, minister, start praying with one another. Hallelujah. Let's practice what we've been preaching. The love of God. Let's break it down. Thank you, Father, for your love.